Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? I am feeling fantastic. I First, before we really get started, I want to shout out all the listeners that we've had. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We've had a bunch of new ones from all over the globe. We've had a bunch in the United Kingdom. That's apparently our, our big market there. We've had one in Chile. We've had some in Singapore and some in Mexico. So it's just really cool to see this taking off and reaching all corners. Thank you so much for tuning into the Jet Press Podcasts. As always, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Go and subscribe, download our stuff, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, hit that little bell so you get notified, all that good stuff. Justin, boy, do we have a fully jam-packed hour of content, starting with another coaching hire. You thought they were done after Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, how, how wrong you were. And as always, because it's the Jets, it's going to be mired in controversy because this team just can't go a week without some sort of PR crisis or at least something noteworthy PR-wise. Like, oh, my God, why did we do this? This time, it is Todd Downing who was hired as the passing game coordinator. Now, if you don't remember what he was doing last year, he was the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans and was fired pretty much as soon as the Titans could fire him. Because not only was he performing badly, because the Titans were, I believe, 28th in points per game, he also got the DUI in, I believe, November, late November. And I honestly, that would have been cause for firing him right there. Performance issues aside, that is a fireable offense. As a leader, as a human being, and he could have killed somebody. Who knows what would have happened? And he immediately bounces back on his feet with the Jets. So I immediately have an issue with that just because the fact that he bounced back so quickly and he gets a desirable job. I know it's the passing game coordinator. It's not on the head coaching track, but there's something doesn't really sit right with this. I, I agree. I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, on one hand, like you said, it's just a passing game coordinator. So I'm not going to, you know, raise hell about it. It's it's honestly, I think I forget who said it. But I saw this on Twitter. If we're talking about the, the Jets passing game coordinator at some point next season, like plenty of things have gone wrong. Um, but it's it's an uninspiring hire, I suppose, just from like what his resume is. We always knew the Jets wanted to bring in an experienced guy to help out that offensive staff, even if they did hire a veteran offensive coordinator, which they did Nathaniel Hackett. Todd Downing is an interesting hire, but obviously the most important and, and interesting part about that hire is his connection with Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, as for the DUI stuff, yeah, he, he had the DUI in November. He served jail time, I believe, in January, which less than a month ago. Um, the Jets did have their offensive line coach last year, John Benton, um, arrested for a DUI in like March of last year or something. So I guess there's precedent there that they're willing to overlook that stuff um, as – you know, this isn't a Jets thing. A lot of NFL organizations would obviously don't drink and drive. Obviously, it's a very silly thing to do. Very dangerous thing to do. 
Um, but from a, from an on-field perspective, yeah, Todd Downing's an interesting hire. He had a lot of success with the Raiders, of course, Derek Carr, and his before this season where he made the Pro Bowl, sort of, I guess, made the Pro Bowl as a replacement or whatever. Uh, his only his only three three Pro Bowl appearances in his career had come under Todd Downing's watch when Todd Downing was the QB coach for the Raiders in 2015 and 2016, and then the offensive coordinator in 2017. So Derek Carr had a lot of success under Todd Downing, and Todd Downing had success with the Raiders. His stint in Tennessee – not as successful. Uh, he originally was their tight ends coach before he became their offensive coordinator the past two years. There were a lot of outcries, I guess we could say, from Titans fans. Uh, they were very vocal about their criticism of him. If you think Jets fans were vocal about the criticism of Mike, of Michael Floor, uh, you probably didn't watch the Titans because they were there were literal signs at games saying to fire Todd Downing. There were chants. Uh, Titans fans really did not like Todd Downing. They wanted him fired. Uh, and I, we, you mentioned this before we just started, Mike, but it's very interesting that they hired him to be their passing game coordinator when the Titans offense obviously had the majority of their success on the ground. Uh, so it's an interesting hire. I'm more interested about the connection with Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill, but I guess from an on-field perspective, there's there's some question marks there. I mean, it's always good to base hires off of seasons that were, what, six years ago under Jack Del Rio so, as a coach. That's what they did. That's what they did with Hackett, sort of, you know. Oh, that, that's a good organizational philosophy. Like, you know, things that worked five years ago, maybe it'll work in 2023. That's how the best organizations are always run. Now, you brought up the Tannehill point, and I know that for some reason, I really don't get why, the idea of the Jets getting Ryan Tannehill has become like, oh, they can't get Ryan Tannehill. That would be a huge failure. And I get that Tannehill would obviously be disappointing because Aaron Rodgers is out there and Derek Carr is out there. And Ryan Tannehill, even at his best, was not those two guys. We understand that. But let's just look at Ryan Tannehill's numbers. I think I know that the Miami tenure was not amazing, but also looking back on the fact that Adam Gase was his coach and he had Joe Feldman before that, not exactly top-tier stuff. I felt like he was making lemonade with the lemons he was giving. I always thought that his film was better than just what the raw numbers would say. He goes to Tennessee. I know Arthur Smith, you could say maybe it's part of the Arthur Smith system. Listen to these first two years. 18-8 and eight as a starter. 55 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, a passer rating of 110.6, which Patrick Mahomes is like 108. And Ryan Tannehill had 110 for two seasons. Now, the last two years, admittedly not his best, and they came in his age 33 and age 34 years. So he's obviously not a spring chicken who's going to get better all of a sudden. Even if you look at that, I know there's the wins and losses, and we don't like using quarterback wins and losses, but they didn't have amazing offensive personnel last year. They were still 500 when he was there, 18 and 11 overall, 66% completion, 34 touchdowns with offensive lines that are not great with rookie trail on Burks and career number two receiver, Robert Woods as your best pass catchers. And pretty much everybody knowing that Derrick Henry was going to get the ball 25 times a game at some point, he still put up numbers. Now I get that he's 35 years old, but at the same time, he's very accurate He's not going to put the ball in harm's way a lot. He, I think, has a better arm than a lot of people give him credit for. He's not just some dinker and dunker. He can really rip it when you give him a chance. W why not consider Ryan Tandil, especially with not only the Todd Downing connection, but with Keith Carter, who was brought in from Tennessee earlier in the offseason? A lot of dots are being connected here, and I wouldn't mind Ryan Tandil. I know that he's not the high upside play that you want. But, again, we talked about this before. Baseline competency would have gotten the Jets into the playoffs. And, honestly, baseline competency might have won the Jets a playoff game. Ryan Tannehill is more than baseline competency. 
So here's where I stand on the whole Ryan Tannehill and, I, and honestly just the whole Jets quarterback situation. If they don't get either Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr, let's assume Lamar Jackson isn't moved, right? Like that's that's the pipe dream. If he's not that, moved, that's fantasy down. land. Right. I'm assuming he's not moved. If they don't get Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr, I'm going to be disappointed. And that doesn't mean it's a disaster if they don't get either of them, because it's not. Like they could end up with Jimmy Garoppolo. They could end up with Ryan Tannehill. And that'd be fine. Like that's a fine quarterback. You are going to win some games with them. They're not going to win you games, but you're going to win some games with them. But I think it's a disappointment if they don't end up with one of the top two guys, uh, given what this or like where this organization is right now. They have a good roster. They have shown that they can compete even with horrible quarterback play. They have a very good young core and they have a coaching staff and a gen- and, a, and a front office that are fighting for their lives. Essentially, they're fighting for their jobs. They know that they need to make the playoffs this year. They know they need to hit a home run this offseason, specifically at the quarterback position. If knowing all of that, and if they still fall short and don't get either Rodgers or Carr, now obviously this becomes more tricky if Rodgers says, hey, I want to stay in Green Bay, or he says, hey, I'm going to retire. Then it's trickier because you have one option. But right now, let's assume you have two options, and Rodgers and Carr are both out there. And if you don't land either, I think that's a disappointment. Tannehill's fine. I like Ryan Tannehill. He's a fine quarterback. He is very much in that Jimmy Garoppolo tier of just a fine quarterback who is going to come in and and do the job, right? He has less injury concerns than Garoppolo, at least in the recent history. Uh, I know he missed part of the past year and he's had injury trouble in the past, but more recently speaking, Garoppolo is definitely the, the bigger injury concern there. So you could maybe argue that Tannehill's a better option than Garoppolo. At that point, I'm cool with either. Like I know Garoppolo or, or Tannehill's a few years older. It's fine. If you if you miss out on Carr and Rogers, you can go to to the Tannehill Garoppolo tier and it's okay. Like that's all right. I will be disappointed though. And that's not a shot at Ryan Tannehill. It's not a you know a diss on Jimmy Garoppolo. I would just be disappointed. It, it, it is interesting that the Jets have now brought in coaches uh, who are connected to all of the top quarterbacks essentially in the market. Because you already have Robert Sala, who has the connection with Jimmy Garoppolo. You brought in Nathaniel Hackett, who has the connection with Aaron Rodgers. Todd Downing has connection with Ryan Tannehill and Derek Carr. And of course, Keith Carter, like you mentioned, also has the connection to Tannehill. So it's interesting that they're covering all their bases there. And I think that that is partially intentional on their part. Either way, Tannehill's fine. I would just be disappointed if they didn't end up with Rodgers or Carr. See, I personally would like Tannehill much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. On top of the durability things, I just think straight up Tannehill is a better quarterback. I think he can make more throws. I like his mobility, which is an underrated part of his game, I think, because they don't really use him that dynamically as a runner. I think he was kind of underutilized for large parts of his Titans career with that, at least when when Arthur Smith left. Now, let's just look at the Titans offense when Ryan Tannehill missed some games this year because he only started 12 games. Joshua Dobbs started twice. Malik Willis started three games. Guess how many touchdown passes they threw? I'm going to say two. You are correct, two. There you go. <laughs> and Josh Dobbs threw both of them. Now yeah, that, I mean, it Willis. <laughs> yeah, so that at least gives Ryan Tannehill the excuse. I know 13 touchdowns and six picks is not – the production you want to see out of a guy who you think could lead you deep into the postseason. But he also could say, look, I left for a little bit and we couldn't even complete simple passes. I mean, we could barely move the ball. And then when I came back in, we at least looked like a real offense. I think that's a huge feather in his cap going into this offseason. And look at what the Jets have, as we've talked about before. Brees Hall coming back, Garrett Wilson, all these great receivers. They got picks still. They could have enough cap space to maneuver. They could potentially get some other guys. I mean, that's a lot better than what's left of Robert Woods and a still developing Traylon Burks. 
So immediately you put Tannehill in that. I don't know if he's going to be Arthur Smith level. where he, That was an MVP level year he had. I mean, 33 touchdowns in like 12 games. That was an that was MVP production. He's not going to be that. If you could get maybe 20-ish touchdowns, seven, eight, nine picks, the Jets could go really far with that. So let's just not discount Tannehill because of his age or what people think that he is. Now, I want, I want to bring Brian up. Brian brings up a good point here. Malik Wills was the only starter last year worse than Zach Wilson. That is true. He was. And Ryan Tannehill was much better, in, even in a compromised state, without tons of pieces around him. He was. I, and look, I I get what you're saying. Like, Garoppolo was in a much better situation and had relatively comparable production to uh, Tannehill, who was in a worse situation. And that's not going to be, you know, I'm not going to argue against the fact that the Titans had a really bad, other than Derrick Henry, a really bad situation around him. Their offensive line was bad. Todd Downing was their offensive coordinator. They, and they just had nobody to throw to, right? They, they had the, the skeleton of Robert Woods. They had Traylon Burks, who was injured for some of the year and definitely still developing. It wasn't a great situation. I still think he's very similar in the in a similar tier to Garoppolo. I think he's a clear step below Carr and Rogers. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, if if it wasn't for the injury concerns, I'd be pretty happy with Garoppolo. And if people are gonna, you know, bring up and, and I brought this up as well in the past, uh, the the whole like, oh, Garoppolo was doing well, and then Brock Purdy comes in, literally the the last pick in the entire draft, and runs that system maybe even better. And that's there's there's some merit to that, to that argument. I, I I do get that. I just think that Garoppolo, I think this last year, had 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. That's a hell of a ratio. Completed 67% of his passes, over 2,400 yards in in uh, 10 starts. It's pretty good numbers. I'm happy with Jimmy Garoppolo, or I'm, I'm content with Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm content with Ryan Tannehill. I think both of them would be disappointing compared to what they could have in, in Carr and Rogers. So I get I get the Ryan Tannehill argument, and I, I wouldn't be – you know, losing my mind over him. I know a lot of Jets fans are, you know, oh my God, I can't believe they're they're interested in, in Tannehill. Um, it was like but- that for his whole career too. Like even when, like I get that Miami, he wasn't amazing, but I thought he was better than the numbers looked. And then he goes to Tennessee and it feels like everybody's just like, oh, well, this is the year he's obviously going to completely fall apart. It's like the guy's putting up numbers and he's winning games too. He got to an AFC championship game. He did. Um, he- what, do you, what do you want him to do here? I think it's also important to note too that Tannehill is not the Jets' top option. I think people people saw the report from Connor Hughes and were like, "Oh, the Jets are much higher on Tannehill than whatever." Like that that headline is misleading when people spread that headline. The pecking order, which has been which was revealed by by Connor Hughes in that article, is Rogers, Carr, Garoppolo, Tannehill. And if that's the case, I'm happy with it. Maybe you'd want to flop or flip flop Tannehill and Garoppolo. Maybe you'd want to flip uh, Carr and Rogers. But that's that's what they're at right now. It's they want Aaron Rodgers. If they can't get Aaron Rodgers, they want Derek Carr then Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill seem to be the fallback options. And I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly happy with that plan. That's fine with me. Now, I want to go to transition to a little bit of Derek Carr talk because I think it goes kind of hand-in-hand with Ryan Tannehill. And actually, I want to bring up something I just saw right before we started the show that I honestly think is kind of gross by the Raiders and I think is an effort to kind of discourage his market or depress his market. So this is from Vic Taffer, Taffer of the athletic. So the Raiders team basically leaked a uh, leak stuff to him, implying that Carr quote, wasn't tough enough to hang in the pocket, which I don't, I mean, Carr's always been pretty good in the pocket to me and he, or play well in cold weather. They also didn't let him operate as freely at the line of scrimmage this year. And there were communication issues. So th- this to me just seems like the huge, like, Oh yeah, of course. Oh, I'm glad we got rid of him. He was awful. 
it's kind of nasty business here from the, from the Raiders trying to be like, oh, he actually he was terrible. It's been that's a kinda, very that's kind of gross to me. It, it's been a very messy divorce for the car and for Carr and the Raiders. Uh, which, I think, which, by the way, good good on Derek Carr for not accepting a trade because he's like, I'm not giving you guys anything. Yeah. <laughs> the Raiders botched this entire situation. Like they completely mishandled it. They extend the dude and then end up getting like a year later, end up getting absolutely nothing for him. And they have to release him. That is, you can't, you can't spin that as any other way as, as than botching it. Like he's probably the best quarterback in franchise history. At least statistically, he definitely is. Uh, and they just don't end up getting anything for anything from he's what 31, 32 years old, still playing at a pretty high level. That's inexcusable, but you can't get enough. You can't get assets back for that guy. And I think they're also just, annoyed and upset not i wouldn't even say rightfully that Derek Carr, like you said kind of screwed them over and was like look i don't need to waive my no trade clause i don't need to be traded like i can just sign where i want to i can explore these options right now like he visited with the saints the jets actually called about him which was reported by i think it was albert breer um but he didn't need to accept the trade and he likely was never going to do that and the raiders i think are annoyed about that and i think that's why that report comes out the raiders organization annoys me they really do. They are one of like one of the the worst run organizations in sports, and they have been that way for a while. And honestly, I don't want to go on a rant about their fan base. And these are Jets of, fans saying that, dude. Holy <laughs> crap! The Raiders fan base is, and I, oh my god, I don't want. I, 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 I will say, let me defend. It, it comes from a place of love, like it comes from they. It comes from. It comes from the same place that a lot of the Jets Mike Lafleur frustrations landed, where it's like they just want to freaking win so badly that. Sometimes I feel like the hate just kind of gets like too volcanic and in too many sure. different directions. And you scapegoat the wrong guy, which you could say that's what happened with LaFleur too. I mean, the Raiders organization, they've had the worst defense in the NFL overall for the past nine years, however long Carr has been in the NFL. They've had horrific coaching staffs. Other than the early years of Carr, they've had really bad offensive lines. Everything about that organization has been a failure, except for Derek Carr. Like Derek Carr has the only reason that they've been relevant. Like, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a big Carr defender here because it's not like I'm not saying Derek Carr is a top five quarterback. He's a damn good quarterback, and he's certainly not the issue in 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 Las Vegas and previously in Oakland. The fan base is just. They're wild to me. Look, I've I covered the Raiders for a time. I, I covered the Raiders. I've covered like seven or eight different NFL teams. I've never interacted with a fan base worse than the Raiders. And I know like I'm, Ooh, I'm okay. serious. I said, that. I said that on Twitter. I don't care if Raiders fans see this and come at me. I really don't care. Although they will they will come at me. Uh I, I don't black care. Black hole, I at least got New England above you in my bad fan base power ranking. I got I still I got Miami ahead of you. Yeah, my, I don't like the Dolphins fan base either. Patriots fan base is different kind of bad. Patriots fan base is like just spoiled to kind of like I've never I haven't had horrific interactions with Patriots fans other than just, them just being like patronizing. No pun intended. Uh, but they're, like, they're more annoying. But it comes from are. like a like a snobby like, oh, the, the, the I got the Philistine Jets fans. I got a, a, well, I got a legit death threat in my DMs last year after the Jets beat the Dolphins. And I said the Jets deserve to win that game, a game they won by like 20 some points, <laughs> yeah, uh, put up like 40. <laughs> yeah, and someone was just legit told me to like kill myself. And I was like, cool. Dolphins fans. Great. Anyway, we don't, <laughs> I, one I don't Dolphins fan told me he knew where my house was. Jesus Christ. Man. I like, try to find the, the best it was over like a mock draft or something. Like I try to find the best in people and also in fan bases. Cause guess what? Every single fan base, every fan base has people like that. Every fan base has the crazies. What I've found is that the Raiders fan base just has a higher percentage of those crazies. But anyway, I think Carr was scapegoated. We're getting off track here. Uh, but I, I think the, yeah, obviously Carr was the, the, the least of the Raiders issues. Um, 
I'd very much like him on the Jets. You could certainly – like we could discuss uh, – we have discussed in the past too if you want Carr over Rodgers, if you want Rodgers over Carr. Either way, in my opinion, again, going back to the Tannehill thing, you just have to end up with one of them. Like you have to end up with one of those guys. If you don't, it's a disappointment. Now let me do another hypothetical. I want Justin to, being John Malkovich, transport himself into the mind of Derek Carr. Or okay. uh, what was that show, Quantum Leap? Yeah, Quantum Leap into Derek sure. Carr and make, make decisions for him. So I'm seeing reports, too, that not only are the New Orleans Saints, which we discussed before, are a very strong contender for him because they're willing to spend money. They have enough offensive pieces where you could really compete in a weak division. And Dennis Allen, who was his first professional coach, is also in New Orleans. So you have New Orleans coming after you, but you also have the Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, are putting together like an all-star coaching staff. I mean, Giro Vero, uh, Deuce Staley, Dom Capers, Frank Reich. I mean, a, a really solid hiring staff there by Reich. So you got him there. You got that weak division. You got DJ Moore. You got, I think, a very creative offensive mind. Carolina, to me, is looking very attractive if I'm Derek Carr. And I would say, honestly, more so than the Jets. Just because, again, look at the AFC. Look at the AFC East. You could either go play in cold weather and play Josh Allen twice, and then maybe if everything goes right, you can sneak into the playoffs and have Patrick Mahomes beat you into the dirt. Or you could go to Carolina and maybe host a home playoff game. So if you're Derek Carr, where are you looking? New Orleans, New York, or Carolina? I definitely think, despite the Saints being the most aggressive team here, I think they're the clear third best destination for Carr. That's not to say he's not going to go to New Orleans because they have been very aggressive. And a lot of it does come down to finances and money and guarantee, whatever they're going to pay him. But in terms of just overall destination, I think the Saints are the clear third. I know people will bring up, oh, he's, you know, he has the history with Dennis Allen. I think they like overlap for like two months in Oakland before before Dennis Allen was fired. And I've seen reports come out that say that Allen and, and Carr were never actually close when they were with the Raiders. So I don't really think that's going to play a factor. If, if anything, Carr would be more likely to go to the Jets because they have Todd Downing. I think he's closer with Todd Downing than he ever was with Dennis Allen. From a pure roster standpoint, the Panthers are a really interesting competitor for the jets because they're in a similar ish situation where they have a really young roster with a quarterback that or without a quarterback, they're a really young roster and a quarterback could get them to the playoffs. That's what they're looking for. I think if you put Derek Carr in that team, they're the obvious favorites to win the NFC South. That's a very weak division. Like you mentioned. Um, and I think that they, they, like you said, they could host a home playoff game. They could potentially win a playoff game with Derek Carr. I, I think that's a, a good roster, and they've obviously put together a very, very competent coaching staff with Frank Reich at the helm. Like they, they, they have a. They've been praised by a lot of people for the work they've done this offseason. If I'm Derek Carr, ultimately it just comes down to money. Like that's really what it's going to come down to. If the Panthers are willing to invest, and they're going to say, "Hey, we're going to give you a four-year deal, the majority of it guaranteed," I'm probably going to Carolina. You know, especially because. I think the Panthers are more are going to be more aggressive to land Carr than the Jets are because everything that you're seeing right now, and especially if you're Derek Carr, you're seeing the Jets want Aaron Rodgers. Like Rodgers is their guy, right? Unless those are false reports, unless these are red herrings, the Jets want Rodgers. Carr is almost a sec, essentially the, the fallback plan if they don't get Rodgers. The timing of all of that is, is still up in the air. But if I'm Derek Carr, I'm kind of seeing that. I'm like, all right, well, you can wait on Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to see what Carolina is offering. I'm going to see what New Orleans is offering. Honestly, actually, I just, the, the recent betting odds, believe it or not, have none of those three teams as the favorites. You know who the favorites are to land Derek Carr, at least? I think it's bookies.com. Really? Yep. Would it be, I'm going to guess, the Falcons? No, the, uh, the other NFC South team. Tampa? The Bucks. Yep, 
It's the Bucks. The Bucks, according to bookies.com at least, uh, are the latest favorites to land Derek Carr, which is interesting to me. I feel like Tampa's not the most appealing destination there. I definitely think Carolina and the Jets are more appealing than New York. The, the big difference for me, I think, with Carolina and all of those teams is I think they have the most stable coaching staff. Any of the other three teams, we're talking about the Saints, Jets, or Bucks, there's no guarantee those coaches are, are there next year. Panthers just got a new coaching staff. They're not going anywhere. If Carr goes there, that's kind of the start of a new regime. Whereas if he goes to the Saints, the Jets, or the Bucks, you're almost overlapping with the old regime, and you're just kind of hoping to save that regime that's currently in place. That's kind of an issue I, I think Carr might have with that situation. And if I was Derek Carr, I'd look at that and be like, that's kind of a red flag to me. But ultimately, I really just think it, it comes down to dollars. I really think it comes down to money. If the Jets and Panthers are both offering him similar money, then he has a decision to make. But if one of those teams is offering him more guaranteed money, if one of those teams is more aggressive to get him, I think that team is going to be the one that signs him. Tampa, honestly, it could go one of two ways. They're either going to be amazing next year or like get Caleb Williams. <laughs> because if, if you look at this Tampa situation, they still have Evans and Goblin. The offensive line is not what it was, but individually they're strong pieces. They were just banged up all of Tom Brady's last year. No state tax. A car's going to get more money if things are equal than he would in New York. That's why Tyreek Hill allegedly is in Miami if we're going to believe him, which I don't know if I do, but I think it's part of it. Or Tampa could just go, you know what? Let's just start Kyle Trask, see what happens, and if not, we'll just completely tear everything down and start with Caleb Williams. So if Tampa decides to go for it and say, look, we – Tom Brady was on his last leg. He was 45 years old. We still ended up with a home playoff game. Obviously, Derek Carr would be an upgrade from that. So I think the Jets have to. That's why I don't like all this dilly-dallying and, oh, Carr's our number two option, and we got to wait for Aaron Rodgers to you know, release the white smoke like he's the Pope to see if he wants to even play for the Jets because I, Carr could go as soon as possible. Derek Carr could sign like tomorrow and just leave the Jets at the altar. I'll Which say this though. It's a scary thought to me. If you're Derek Carr, wouldn't you want to wait to see what happens with the Aaron Rodgers situation? Wouldn't you want to wait to see that if that's resolved? Because if Rodgers opts to stay in Green Bay or he retires, that's one massive quarterback off the market. If you're Derek Carr, you now just became the top commodity on the open market in the quarterback market. So wouldn't you want to see at least what Rodgers is doing? Like, I don't, I don't think Carr is going to sign tomorrow or in a few days. I think he's going to take his time. I think he's going to visit with a few teams. I think he's going to wait to see what happens with the Aaron Rodgers situation because if Rodgers isn't on the move, then Derek Carr's value just went way up. And I, I think he knows that. And I think he realizes that. Well, the problem with that is – it's going to sound weird to say about a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Is his market kind of limited? Like outside of the Jets and the Raiders, who's really been making a super aggressive push for him? So, I, like, I, have you heard New Orleans talking about Aaron Rodgers or Carolina or Tampa Bay? That's that's a. I want to look up the odds for his next destination uh, and see what, what like what the 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 odds makers say because if it's like jets and raiders and then a bunch of like everyone else no i mean it still has cheats plus thirty thousand. wow wait when is this from is this from this is all right this is from nine days ago so take that with a grain of salt but you know other than the packers you know who the third team on that list is ravens no no the miami dolphins Uh, that's That's, i mean I, I think they're going to stick with Tua, but it, a lot of it, I guess, depends depends on how they feel about his health because uh, that's that would be the only thing with, with the Dolphins would make them want to move on from Tua. They're at plus 550, which is not very – like that's not high. That's that's pretty good. It's pretty Didn't good. Did they just trade – well, they forfeited their first-round pick this year. Yeah, so they, what, what, I, I they guess traded the other like, one. 
and they traded the other one for Bradley Chubb. Well, it doesn't like I don't think it's going to take a 2023 first to get Rodgers. I think it's more likely you're looking at a 2023 second and a conditional 2024 first. So in theory, they could do that. And obviously, they've shown that they're willing to part with their picks. I mean, they traded a first for Bradley Chubb, who is at least their second best edge rusher, maybe third. Uh, like this. <laughs> That was a heck of a trade. Uh, but that's, you know, that's another story. Uh, Dolphins are interesting. It also has the Titans and Colts listed here. I don't think. I don't think they're going to go in that route. I mean, Titans would be interesting. I think that they're much more likely to just run it back with Tannehill. Also, I don't know why Rodgers would want to go to Tennessee. Um, but I oh, guess allegedly he bought – didn't Schefter report that he bought like a piece of land down there or – Wait, like Nashville or something? Well, around Nashville. He probably owns land in a lot of cities. Like, that's, that's not so <laughs> He's Aaron Rodgers. I guess what does limit the market is because the Packers have made it pretty clear, or at least it's been reported, that they're not going to trade him within the conference. So I think that is what limits his market is that, you know, the, the Panthers or the, you know, the Panthers, Saints, Bucks, they're not really going to be in play because it doesn't sound like Rodgers is going to the NFC. I still think, though, Carr's value increases if he waits and Rodgers says, no, I don't want to go anywhere. So I, I think he's going to take his time. I think he's going to visit with a few teams. I don't know if he's going to wait three, four weeks. You know, I don't think he's going to I think he's going to sign before free agency starts. But I think he's going to wait at least a couple of weeks. I think he's going to visit with the Jets. I'm sure he'll visit with the Panthers, with the Bucks, whoever else is interested. Uh, I don't think he's going to, you know, make his mind up right now because I think he's going to. I think he's going to play the market a bit, which is smart. I think that's smart on his behalf. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What we definitely know Rodgers is going to do is he's going to do his uh, spirit quest and talk to a uh, Johnny Cash coyote or whatever that may entail. Now, I want to get your opinion on this because I, I really hate doing these New York radio tropes about it. He can't handle New York. Like, that's really kind of – that's not what it was. Like, probably back in the day where just the New York media landscape was dwarfing everything – now with how ubiquitous social media is and how many people have opinions and how much stuff you hear, like it's really kind of minimized. Like, like Rich Samini writing a column is not going to get Aaron Rodgers' go to the point where he's going to like turtle himself. Like that's that's unreasonable. However, he goes on this big rant about not a rant rather about his diatribe of describing his whole darkness retreat and. All the weirdness that entails, including the fact that there is a toilet in the middle of the, I guess, room, for lack of a better word, because it's dark, so you got, can't be bumping into stuff, and he's going to film it. All these peculiar details. And then when people like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter then go in on it, he has this rant about, you're not in my inner circle, you don't know what's going on, stay out of it. Like, this weird sensitivity. Like, if that is perking his ears up, 
like like as a Nets fan, I I have experienced that this is the issue with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving was that they heard everything and that they like at least part of it. I have the what the main issue with Kyrie Irving. I mean, I could talk for <laughs> two hours about that, but I I think the situations aren't that dissimilar. Where Aaron Rodgers is going to go from Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is the most unique insular town and media landscape, maybe in American sports. And then he's going to go to New York City where every time he wipes his butt, there's going to be a you know back page story about it. That honestly concerns me a little bit. Like if he's doing this to Ian Rappaport, what's he going to do to, you know, like questions for, you know, some of the beat reporters have. Honestly, the, 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 Ambulance watcher and me wants to wants to see Rogers. Oh, dude, they got to bring back Manish Mehta, and I want to see him interact. With no, Aaron they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. Tell me how funny that would be, Manish Mehta coming back and being like, just just questioning Aaron Rodgers. That'd be hilarious. Uh, but even as, I mean, as I, long I, as I could get a promise that he will be unceremoniously fired in a month and a half, and I can get that sure. catharsis. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rogers will get him fired. We'll do something like that. It's just a short time. They get, the Daily News can bring him back for like a week and you know, let him just go to two press conferences with Aaron Rodgers. Let him hound him with questions. <laughs> and then he bugs uh, like Shailene Woodley or whatever, and then he, they fire him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do something like that. Exactly. Um, but no, I, I look. Obviously, there's a difference between the Green Bay market, which is like you said. Might honestly, I think it's, it is the smallest market in all professional sports. Uh, I think it's like in in, in major American professional sports. Uh, and of course, New York, right? The New York market. That said, Aaron Rodgers, maybe more than any other quarterback, has been put under a microscope and scrutinized over the last like three years. Again, more than like more than probably any other quarterback because of his like you know the the wacky science takes he has, and you know just him being Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers, way to describe being anti-vaccinational, wacky science take. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it as as neutral as possible here, right? Because we could talk about that, I'm sure, but. I'll keep it as neutral as possible. His interesting takes on certain hot topic conversations. He's a very, like, especially since he's been going on the Pat McAfee show, like this stuff has come out, right? He's been under a lot of scrutiny and criticism and he's handled it. Like, I know that he, you know, maybe he didn't, he's not coming off the best year of his career, but I can't say that it's because of outside uh, noise that that contributed to that. It was more so, I mean, playing injured partially. Um, but I, I really don't think it would matter that much. I genuinely don't. It's, it's the whole New York market thing. Like you mentioned, it's a little overblown. Like in today's day and age with social media and the national media being as prominent as it is, Aaron Rodgers was already under the scrutiny in Green Bay, you know, Maybe he wasn't getting hounded every single day by by Packers reporters. Although when that whole immunization thing happened, he was totally getting hounded by Rat Packers reporters, like showing Packers us his feet and stuff. And yeah, Packers <laughs> reporters laid into him, and he became a a I don't want to say a laughing stock on social media, but he was definitely made fun of a lot. So I think he's been around. The dude's forty years old. He's used to it at this point. It's not like he's you know coming out of college and he's been in a small market his entire career like Zach Wilson or whatever, right? Like this is a very different situation. I think he'd be fine in New York. Obviously, I'm sure he'll have some run-ins with the New York media, but he's had run-ins with the media every year for the last few years in Green Bay, right? And the national media. So I don't think it'd be anything different. I'm more just annoyed and and just concerned about the fact that he's going to take his time to do it. Like, it's just the whole song and dance that he's doing now. If the Jets trade for him, that'll happen again next year. Like, that's that's the part that annoys me. Rodgers can be whoever he wants to be off the field as long as he's not hurting anybody. I might think he's an idiot. Others might think he's an idiot. Whatever. The annoying part from a football perspective is him doing this song and dance and trying to just basically drag everything out, likely for the sake of attention. That's likely what it's for. 
That is the annoying part yeah. to me. But I, I think he can handle New York market fine. I think Derek Carr could also handle New York, handle the New York market fine. I don't really have concerns about that. But I, I get I get what you're saying. Well, there's the sake of attention, and then that attention seeking is going to be so vociferous and so unquenchable. He might screw the Jets quarterback plans. There is a legitimate non-zero chance. This is why I'm freaking out about this. There is a non-zero chance that he comes back and says, I want to play in Green Bay or I'm retired. And that Derek Carr will be gone. And that maybe one of Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill will be gone. And you got to get stuck with the leftovers. Like that, I'm, I'm frightened of that because like, I know I was just talking up Ryan Tannehill earlier in the show. I think he'd be a good option. But if you're stuck with him and that's not the guy your organization wanted because you had to wait for Aaron Rodgers to come down off an ayahuasca trip to say that he wants to stay in Green Bay, actually, that's going to be a gut punch. I agree. And like as I just mentioned, like, that is that is the, the most annoying part about all this. And if you're the Jets, you have to have a contingency, contingency plan. All we can do is just trust Joe Douglas and trust the organization that they have a contingency plan. I, I, I have no idea if they do. I'd imagine that they're not saying we're going to throw all our eggs in the Aaron Rodgers, all our eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket. Because if they do, they're asking to get fired, right? They're asking to, you know, for this situation to go south, for Aaron Rodgers to stay in Green Bay or to retire, they miss out on a car. Like that's what they're asking for if they don't have a contingency plan. I also want to say with Tannehill, there's no guarantee he's even on the move. Like right now, the odds are that Tannehill is still the tar- Titan starter next year. Like the Titans, right, right. the only reason they would move on is if they can find a, a genuine upgrade. Because I don't think that they're ready to put to make Malik Willis the guy after what we saw last year. Is uh, Malik Willis even like a even like an NFL quarterback at this point? From what we saw last year, no. Like he's probably not right now. They're, they're not ready for that. And I don't think Josh Jobs. You know, I love Josh Jobs. He's an awesome dude. Great story. But I don't think he's the guy either. So they're going to stick with Tannehill, or they're going to try and find an upgrade. I think it's more likely they just stick with Tannehill. So. There's no guarantee he's on the market. The only guys we know that are definitely going to be available are Rod or are uh, Carr and Garoppolo. That's the only two we know are going to be available. So if they're banking on Rodgers, and in that time that they're banking on Rodgers, they miss out on Carr, you only have Jimmy Garoppolo, like potentially. That is that is your guy you have to sign. So I and agree. again, Jimmy Garoppolo is really strong links to the Raiders because of the Josh McDaniels connection. Correct, correct. And that, that's, again, the whole Tom Brady retiring thing screws over the Jets in that respect. I've, I've talked about that before, I think, on the podcast, uh, about Brady retiring just opens up another QB hole. Because now, what if what if the Bucks go in and trade for Rodgers because now they need a quarterback, and then the Raiders wow. sign Garoppolo because they couldn't get Brady? You know, and then Carr goes to the Saints or whoever. Like, you're screwed, right? Like that, and that there—that's a realistic scenario. You know, we don't got to play Doomsday and everything. I think the who Jets would even be the quarterback then. Baker Mayfield, like who? Legitimately, who? Whoever it is, it's going to get somebody <laughs> fired. Like it's going to get people fired. Like that's uh, Brian. Brian brings up a great point. He said, "I uh, said Tyler Huntley was a Pro Bowler this year, so obviously he's the next best quarterback." Of course, hey, Tyler yeah. Huntley was a Pro Bowler. So was Derek Carr. Like these are you know these are high level quarterbacks. Tyler uh, Huntley, that is a. That, <laughs> I'm glad, like I'm glad he made it, and I know it's essentially like a a souped up dodgeball game, but the fact that like Tyler Huntley is a Pro Bowl quarterback and is the same as Matthew Stafford, I mean, I, I, I take issue with that. The Pro Bowl has kind of lost its value a lot, right, in recent years, but I think it's fully lost. Like once a backup quarterback was named to the Pro Bowl, I think that was when it officially like. Now it's just for fun. I had fun at this, by the way, as a quick side note tangent. I had fun watching the Pro Bowl this year, like the Pro Bowl games. I think those are very fun. People are just, people are negative. People want to be mad about everything. I had fun. I thought thought it was fun. If you go into it, not taking it seriously, 
it's fine. You know, I, I had a good time, but I guess, you know, that's. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, I admittedly was nervous watching some of the dodgeball stuff that there was going to be like a Robert Edwards situation uh, where like, God forbid that doesn't happen. But I mean, you know, the first time that that happens to somebody, they're going to be a whole, why didn't they just play the actual game? Why did they play dodgeball? Even in the flag football game, there were like some moments where I was like, ooh, that could have been like a torn ACL. Like that, that would have been brutal. Like there was, there was some stuff that happened, but yeah. you know, I, look, I, 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 um, what were we just, oh, we were saying about like Derek Carr and stuff. Yeah. Like I look, I'll take Derek Carr and the Jets. I, I think ultimately the Jets are going to land one of these quarterbacks. Like I know we can play Doomsday and say this and this and this. I think they will get either Carr or Rodgers. That's my prediction. I think they'll end up with one of those guys. If they don't, I will be disappointed. But I don't think they're just going to miss out on everyone. Like I, I know we're talking about that. That's a realistic scenario. They could miss out on Carr, Rodgers, Garoppolo, and Tannehill. That's, that is very Doomsday. Like I don't think that that's going to happen. I think the Jets will be smart enough to not do that. I've gained enough trust in Joe Douglas to believe that he has a contingency plan for Rodgers and they're not th- they're not going to throw all their eggs in the Rodgers basket. And I think that's also why they're still showing interest in Carr. Like I mean they brought in Todd Downing for a reason. They brought in him and Keith Carter. They both have experience with the Titans of course. They brought in Downing who has experience with the Raiders. It's not a coincidence at all that they're not just bringing in guys that Rodgers is familiar with like with Hackett. They're bringing in guys who all these top quarterbacks have have familiarity with. And I, I think that's important to note. I think that you know, that shows that they're not just going all in on Rodgers, which is the right decision. You know who the Jets are going to add? Who? A day two standout at some point. It is <laughs> time for that. That was not an amazing segue, but you know what? That, I'll give it a B plus. I'll self-grade myself as a B plus yeah. segue. Room sure. It was, all right. <laughs> Room for improvement. It wasn't as good as uh, I think you a couple weeks ago. You had a good one, but I'll take this one. I have a lot of good ones. I forget them all, you know. <laughs> so every week we want to try and do a couple players that are catching our eye. And for today, I want to look at maybe second round or third round guys. The Jets can maybe trade up for at the beginning or just sit back and try to steal a gem. And I'm going to go offense this time because Brian Branch was my, my big guy last week, a defensive back from Alabama. This week I'm going to look at wide receiver. I'm going to look at a speedster. And I'm going to look at a guy who has probably first-round talent. He just didn't have enough chances to really exhibit it. And that's Trey Palmer, who is a wide receiver at Nebraska. Now he got to Lincoln because originally he was at LSU. He was on that stacked 2019 Joe Burrow throw for a gazillion touchdowns team, but he only caught one pass. He just got swamped by an avalanche of pro-ready targets, and he never caught more than 30 passes in one season with LSU. So Brian Kelly comes in. He then leaves and goes to Nebraska. He gets 71 catches for 1,043 yards and nine touchdowns with rampant quarterback instability and disappointment. Casey Thompson was not what he was at Texas after coming over here. Now he's listed at 6'1 and 190 pounds. So I would say he's bigger than some of the other speed guys, quote-unquote, in this draft. Trey Palmer has in high school ran, I believe, a 10-4 40-yard dash and 21 seconds in the 200 meters. This is elite track speed, and you see it when he plays. He does not just – he's not just faster than everybody else. I mean, it's clear that he's faster than everybody else by a mile, and that's going to play immediately in the NFL. Now, I have some concerns. I don't love how with some physical press coverage he was not great at separating, and a lot of times he just kind of won on athleticism which you really need to kind of refine that a little bit. But at the same time, on day two, to find a guy who produced like that in a big conference with, I would say, good hands, 
I think Trey Palmer could be a guy who – a bit of a low-floor guy, but if you're willing to take the risk, he might be a 1,000-yard receiver if everything clicks. Yeah, you, you texted me the other day, literally just said Trey Palmer, like the eyes emoji. And I, I admittedly haven't watched a ton of Trey Palmer tape. I've seen highlights, though, on Twitter. He's a very exciting player. Like, he's very, very – obviously extremely fast, former track guy – very, very fast. And I know he has experience as a returner. I mentioned this, I think, before we started the start of the uh, the show. Maybe he could be a Braxton Berrios replacement because there's a decent chance the Jets cut Berrios this offseason. Obviously, he's faster than Berrios. I think he's a bit Much more. bigger, too, six one. He is, but he's more of a slot guy from what I, I, I've seen, I think. Um, and I think he he's fits done that a little role. bit of both at Nebraska. Well, they, they kind of moved him around a little bit, mostly because he was the one guy who was playing well, and they just needed to figure right. out ways to get him the ball. I would worry about his physicality like and his ability to beat the press. So you could just, just stick him in the slot and he could probably feast there. I think he'd be a really good backup slot and a return man and somebody who's going to provide early value on special teams and someone who could definitely develop into uh, hopefully a starting slot receiver in the NFL and maybe even more if he can you know improve upon his release. Uh, I need to watch more of him, but from what I've seen, I'm, I'm very excited by him. He's a fun player for sure. Reportedly, he can run in the four twos. I, th- I think he's going to be one of those guys. He's going to go to the combine and blow it up, and then I'm not going to be the only guy saying Trey Palmer on day two. Yeah, then he'll probably be like a second, like a Tyquan Thornton, just go super early. And I don't think he's going to be a John Ross, but you know, I think he's better than Tyquan Thornton coming out. I think Tyquan was literally like you were drafting like a like a like a hurdle guy, like a sprinter. Right. It, it was more sprinter, I think, than receiver at that point. I made the joke about uh, Miko Harvard being Johnny Lamb Jones, but I mean, I think Tyquan it's more more applicable. Trey Palmer, yeah. I think, is a complete receiver. They just get him to beef up a little bit and not sacrifice the speed. Pro Bowl potential. He, he's a very fun player. I want to I want to watch more of him for sure. The guy that I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at the defensive side of the ball. I think one of the more underrated – I actually wouldn't even say underrated. I think a lot of people know it's one of their bigger needs uh, for the Jets. This season is is linebacker. You know, C.J. Mosey's coming back, likely going to try and look look to restructure his deal. But Quincy Williams and Quan Alexander are both free agents. They might bring one of those guys back. Either way, I'd love to see the Jets actually invest a top 50 pick into a linebacker because – it's been a, like, I think Darren Lee is the last time they've done that. Um, they've kind of really, like, Quincy Williams was a waiver wire pickup. Quan Alexander was a late free agent signing. I want to see them draft somebody, especially somebody that could be CJ Mosley's replacement. The guy I'm looking at is Clemson linebacker Trenton Simpson, who I think might be the best linebacker in his class, at least of the guys I've seen so far. Former five star recruit, he was the heart and soul of that Clemson defense. I know a lot of the attention goes to guys like Miles Mur- Murphy, Brian Brzee. But every time I've, I've watched Clemson films, I either watch those guys or whoever, like my eyes are drawn to Simpson. Simpson is the guy that I, I can't take my eyes off of. He's 6'3", 230 pounds, an excellent athlete. Like he is everything you look for in a modern day NFL linebacker. I, I do think he's the best linebacker in this class. Probably a borderline day one guy right now. Like I'm not sure if he's going to be drafted in the first round. I think he has the athletic traits to do it. I'm not sure there's a linebacker that is taken in the first round. He makes sense to me. I know your boy Drew Sanders also could be that guy just because traits, like traits could get him drafted early. I think with Simpson, he still relies a little bit too much on his athleticism and coverage. And scheme fit is also like a really interesting conversation. He's very similar to someone like Jeremiah Wusukarmoa, right? Like, is he a traditional stack linebacker? Is he just sort of an athlete that you're just roaming around the middle of the field like an Isaiah Simmons? I think he's he's more of a of a natural linebacker than Simmons or even Jeremiah Wusukarmoa is. I think he can play that role. He showed a lot of improvement this past year, especially. They used him a lot more as more of that traditional linebacker than in the past. I think he was playing everywhere from free safety to in the slot to like they put him everywhere on the field. 
I think bottom line, you need guys who can cover tight ends in today's NFL. You need guys who can match up physically with the the Josh Allens, the Jalen Hurts, the Lamar Jacksons. I think Simpson's that guy. I think, you know, long-term, he can be that C.J. Mosley replacement, essentially. And in the short term, he can line up alongside Mosley and, and be that Will linebacker that they had Williams and Alexander filling that role last year. I think he's your future Mike. If you draft him at pick 43, if he's still on the board, I'm very happy. And I think after this year, he takes over for C.J. Mosley as the Mike linebacker. Simpson's interesting to me because from what I've gathered, the consensus seems to be that the top three linebackers in some order are Drew Sanders of Arkansas, who's a big guy, 6'5", he can rush a passer, Noah Sewell, who is Panay Sewell's brother from Oregon, and then Simpson. Now, Simpson, I have two big worries with him. Number one, if you're comparing to Owusu Koromoa, I'm honestly was not a huge fan of him coming out of Notre Dame, mostly because that he was kind of a safety, kind of a linebacker, and that means to me, well, you're maybe half a safety and half a linebacker if you're doing that. And I know he's been okay, I think, with Cleveland. But hey, hey, Robert, Robert Sala loves those guys, all right? Robert Sala loves those guys. Yep, and I know that's how, oh, well, J.L. Skinner's like that. I get. I, I have more confidence in J.L. Skinner maybe moving a linebacker than Simpson being like a like a Fred Warnery nickel guy who plays all over kind of thing. I have more confidence. And the other thing that worries me about Simpson – who I like as a prospect. I just don't think he's the top guy in his class. I do like Simpson, but when they tried to put him in a more traditional linebacker alignment, because Brent Venables was the guy who was moving him around, he leaves and takes the Oklahoma job. They try and make him, I think, a little more traditional. He was not as good, I think, this year. And there was a lot of times where I, I didn't love his tackling on some bigger guy. I didn't love how he kind of handled himself at the line of snipers, kind of disengaging from blocks. I think he's a lot more raw than – a guy like maybe Sanders would be like, I think Sanders, I know Sanders is a little, is another thing like that where it's a peculiar fit. I think if you put them both in like a Mike linebacker role, I would take Sanders over Simpson at the same time. That is a plus athleticism, super fast. The best cover linebacker in this draft, I think by a mile is Trenton Simpson. And that was a huge problem because the, I mean, look, look, teams were moving the ball against the Jets somehow, and they weren't doing it against Sauce, and they weren't doing it against DJ Reed. So, where were they doing it? Been able to feel against the linebacker. So, if he helps solve that, just uh, by itself, that would make him worth, I think, a high second round pick. Right. And that's that's really what I'm looking at with him. Like, I, I agree. He has some issues stacking and shedding and, and, you know, disengaging from blocks. I think Drew Sanders also has similar concerns as well uh, with shedding blocks and he we talked about this a little bit before the show as well i feel like he's more of a pass rusher like i feel like he's a stand-up outside linebacker i really think that that's what his best role is in the nfl mayo uh, micah parsons that's I've, you've heard it here first folks <laughs> <laughs> maybe i mean maybe i mean if jail skinner is is basically kyle hamilton then sure uh <laughs> but, but yeah I, I i love um i love simpson's just his upside I, I really really like his upside and i think he's a lot more NFL ready than than even someone like say Quincy Williams. Quincy Williams is a fair comparison of like a guy who he still struggles to shed blocks to this day. Um, he was like that kind of coming out of college as well. Obviously, very different kind of prospect. They went to very different schools, um, but I think that was you know you can kind of compare it to that. I, I think Simpson has a higher upside than Quincy Williams, and I think he's a more NFL ready guy than Quincy Williams. He's already better in coverage, like you mentioned. He might be the best coverage linebacker in this draft. The issues in run defense, I I think he can. I think stacking and shedding and learning to shed blocks is something that can be taught and improved upon as you get, as you, you know, progress in the NFL, the coverage skills are already there. He's already an excellent tackler in open space. Like he's a physical dude who makes big hits. 
I'm very. I would be very happy with him. Uh, there early were in the some series. misses though on film. Like there were a couple times where, yeah, he's a good tackler. He's just not like I wouldn't market that as like I would say he's probably his best trade. I think his best trade is definitely the range. I he's explosive. Like that's I think a good. He's an explosive tackler, which is you know obviously we talk about Quincy Williams. It's kind of the similar thing, but I think he's a bit more consistent than Quincy Williams. Obviously, you mentioned the range. I think. In terms of passing down value, like you're not going to get much better than than Trenton Simpson in this class. I'm very happy with him in round two. Uh, that's that's somebody I'd look to target. Even if they did bring back Quincy Williams on like, I mean, I guess if they bring back Quincy Williams on like a three year deal or something like that or four year deal, then maybe not. Like yeah, that would be I, that would be I, not good. I'm not saying they should do it, but from what it sounds like, it sounds like Quincy Williams might have a pretty robust market. So if that happens, maybe they're looking in a different direction. But right now, before free agency. That's somebody that you know. I, I would keep an eye on him. He's my favorite linebacker that I've looked at so far. Well, just wait till you watch that that Sanders tape. It'll you, you'll be a slow convert, but I think it'll. I think it'll. I, I maybe I'm going against the grain with some of my picks because I have him as my top linebacker right now. Jackson Smith and Jigbo is my top receiver, Ooh, which I'm not seeing a lot. So I yeah I haven't seen that either. Like I like Sanders. I think I just think he's not a great fit as a Mike linebacker right now. Like I, in that Micah Parsons type role, I could I don't think he's Micah Parsons, but I can see him thriving as a less of a traditional linebacker. I think that that's more of my my take with him. But I mean, his traits are going to get a, get him drafted in the first two rounds. Like I I don't think he's making it past the second round. I'd be pretty surprised if he did. But you know. With that, I think it is time to officially uh, call time on our sixth jet press podcast episode thank you guys so much for tuning in i mentioned earlier we are getting some international viewers which is just unbelievable to me the fact that you know some guy over in mexico is looking up new york jet stuff and is finding as it just it means the world to us so thank you guys so much for the support you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever it is that you get your podcast make sure to download our stuff make sure to subscribe on youtube make sure to hit that little bell so you know to get notified whenever we go live. I am Mike Luciano. Justin, take us home. Of course, yeah. Appreciate you guys watching. Shout out to that guy in Singapore. I think there's probably those like one or two people. Yeah, yeah I will say, if you're in Singapore, the fact that you dug that deep for Jets content, you are a diehard, the likes of which I, I wish I could be. <laughs> shout out, shout out to them. Yeah, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jet Press on Twitter at the Jet Press. As Mike just mentioned, you can download Jet Press wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. Uh, also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit the notification bell. You guys know what to do. We shoot live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. We're switching that from 2 to 3. It just seems like a better fit. Uh, and, you know, thank you guys for watching, the, you know, listening, watching whatever you're doing in the Jet Press podcast. We appreciate the support. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. See you guys. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.